Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. BetMGM is pitching baseball fans a chance to swing for the fences. Register using code CHAMPION200 and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 money line wager on any Major League Baseball game and either team hits a home run, regardless of your bet's outcome. Enjoy baseball like never before with BetMGM's daily promotions at your fingertips all season long. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use code CHAMPION200 to win $200 when you bet $10 on an MLB game and either team hits a home run. Sign up today and find out why nothing beats a win at the King of Sportsbooks. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. There's never been a better time to find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app and place a $10 money line wager on any NBA playoff game. If either team hits a three-pointer in the game, you'll win $200 in free bets. Just use code CHAMPION200 when you make your first bet. Sign up now and discover BetMGM's daily promotions, boosted odds specials, and more. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use code CHAMPION200 to win $200 in free bets if either team hits a three in any NBA playoff game. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. What do you think, Brian, is he going to do? Hello, wrestling world? Or is he going to be like, hey! <laughs> mm, now that you said something, you should have, like, texted me for options or something. You could bet on it. Now he probably was going to make one of us. Well, he's not going to tell us when the music stops. He's talk over it anyway. <laughs> We well, that's the do. whole point. We're not supposed to let you know. It's supposed to sound like a combobulated mess. <laughs> Although, all, all I know is on the Dave and Diego show there. Oh, thankfully the music queued up there and they couldn't hear you say that, whoever show. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Corner to Corner Wrestling Radio. It's Monday night. It's live. And, I mean, come on. There's nothing else good on Monday nights. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. I know what you're going to say. Monday night football. And right now, it's not on. So, ha, ha, ha. You have to listen to us. I mean, do they really? I mean, oh, they have. Really do they? They're a captive audience. Our fans Thanks for reminding me it's only Monday, butthead. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. It's Monday. Not that it matters anyway. The longest day in the world. Oh, God. And mine started particularly early this morning as... 
one of the young Padwans over here had uh, swim practice. So we had to get up at the ass crack of dawn. And, you know, getting up, getting children up at early ages, at early parts of the day, sucks. Because their energy level is like at 20. And my energy level is like 5. And I'm just not ready to be raised up that much. So, yeah. There's not enough coffee in the world to make you ready for swim team practice. Well, you ain't going. All you got to do is sit in the car. No, not when you get all of them. Dad, I'm bored. Dad, I'm bored. Dad, I don't want to do this. Dad, can I play your phone? Dad. No, because you're supposed to be in the water, kids. Get in the water. Right, exactly. All of you, in the water. Now, go. Oh, <laughs> uh, man, man. So as you can hear, it's it's the triple threat. We are in full effect. Ryan Taylor is here. Well, he yes. Yeah, there, well, there he is. Buzzing all. There's Rob Hefner. He's right on the other side. <laughs> all right, you just... Weird. Awkward. Yeah. <laughs> ah, man. Okay. Then, wait, wait, what? wait. There's what? an echo. Wait. There's an echo. And then there's Stan. Say hi, Stan. Hi, Stan. Good yeah, I mean, you don't ever get to do it, so I figured I'd let you say hi. Today. You know what? That's so kind of you. I appreciate that. And he's right. There is a small echo. I'll try to get that. That's probably a microphone setting. I'll fix that here. <clears throat> Brian, Brian, look it out for us, Rob. He said, hey, you know that Stan guy, he needs a chance to, to say hi to the masses. Yeah. That was nice. We don't hear, we don't hear enough of it from him in these shows. No. No, we don't. So, guys, uh, let's uh, start with Hell in a Cell. Did you watch it? No. <laughs> one, <laughs> Brian. Did you watch it? Um, it's okay if you do. Uh, all right, let's 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 for our international audience, let's <laughs> go with nine. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. no in German. Uh-huh. Nine. Well, I can confirm that I watched it. Um, I wish I hadn't. Though. How does one properly describe this? Bianca Belair and Bailey, Bailey, actually a pretty good match. Um, That's what I read. It, it wasn't read really was the match of the night. It, it didn't feel like a pay per view. It really felt like a SmackDown. Oh, but if you if you forgot one of the matches that you may have been looking forward to, oh wait, they didn't announce it till the week prior, so you wouldn't have even had a chance to look forward to. Uh, Rey Mysterio and Roman Reigns was supposed to take place at Hell in the Cell. But instead, they hot-shotted it and put it over on Friday night um, in their defense. Let me guess. Roman Reigns won. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did it even get in the cell? It did. It did. And I'll say this. Wow. The match, the match itself was good, and Ray actually had a pretty solid showing. And, and I think this – yeah, I mean, people are going to always hate Roman, they're always going to hate what he does. It's just, it's, it kind of is what it is right now, right? But this match was actually pretty good, and there wasn't the botch of, uh, 
you know, handcuffing somebody at the bottom of a light fixture or, you know, having to worry about, you know, getting your butt kicked for 30 minutes and then suddenly you hit a Superman. Oh, wait, that is what happened. Um, all I'm saying is that this matchup wasn't all that bad. Should have been on the pay-per-view and wasn't. Um, How many times do the Usos interfere? None. What? Yep, it was a clean finish. Well, I mean, it is Rey Mysterio for Pete's sake. It was... This is one of those types of things where part of me kind of thought, especially since it was happening on Friday, that maybe they're going to maybe they're gonna get crazy and put the belt on Ray to have him lose it on Sunday. But no, no. I guess I didn't see that coming. Did they explain why it was moved to Friday? Um, only because, well, you know how Ray they are. He doesn't work on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> He's just not used to working on Sundays. Um... I think it was. I think it was more brought up like uh, storyline wise. They couldn't wait to get to one another, which is uh, storyline speak for. We want you to watch our TV show because Dynamite comes on after. So please watch our TV show. Mm, I would. That would would probably be accurate. And here's the sad thing, and and only because one, I had the kids, and two. This is at 10 o'clock on a Friday, and I kind of forgot. I honestly didn't see Dynamite this week. I still have yet to queue it up in my uh, DVR. I got to watch it myself. This too shall pass. It's, uh, I I, I don't, I always get thrown off a little bit when shows are on different nights, but usually for me, Dynamite is appointment TV. And, and my wife gives me a hard time because she's like, you used to be such a huge WWE fan, and now you're just Mr. AEW. I'm like, well, I, I, I watch what's good. You know, like, Raw, you can only watch but so much. Like, if The Fiend's not on, and he's my favorite current, I don't really have a lot of guys on Raw I really want to see. Yeah, and so I'm, sit I'm down, like Drew okay. Yeah, I mean, I like Drew McIntyre okay, but, you know, it's not the big the end of the world for me. I'm not a big New Day or Kofi Kingston fan. I don't hate them, but they're not really my favorite. Um, and even AJ Styles, who's one of my favorites, uh, he's on there like every other week. So He's on tonight. Is he on tonight? Yeah, AJ. Bob Ricochet. Oh, that's right. Mm. The Money in the Bank qualifying has started. It was a quality match. It was a quality match, I'll say that. Well, it should be. Two of them should have a, a five-star damn match. Well, provided they have mm. the right stage. Let me tell you who won. Sure. Yeah. Ricochet. What? Get out of here. Wow. Ricochet takes the first spot in the Money in the Bank match. All right, that's cool. I'm cool with that. Congratulations to the one and only. Get it? Uh-huh. Huh? Get it? See what I did there? So did you? Uh, did either of you watch the Hidden Treasures Andre special they had? Um, no. You know, sadly, I'm actually behind on that also, Rob. I, I have done the wrestling world no favors because I am behind on watching. Why don't you uh, tell us about it, dude? So I know you you, lo- you really like have liked these documentaries and these Hidden Treasure ones. What was this one about? Like, what was their focal point? Well, they were like, we have some Andre stuff, but there's still, like, a couple Holy Grail items that we don't have that we want. Like, they wanted uh, uh, 
a mask from him when he cuts the giant machine. The giant machine actually um, started in Japan. Uh-huh. Right. He wrestled in Japan, and so um, they they wanted a mask. They didn't have one of the giant machine masks, so they wanted that. Um, Stephanie really wanted to try to get her hands on one of his passports. Um, Softly and then uh, I can't remember what else they wanted. Um, but kind of just rare Andre stuff. So they were able to track down a map, mm-hmm. but it was at Sonny Ono's house. Mm-hmm. Oh, and wow. So they had the two people that they had going on the hunt were the big show uh-huh. and Mark Henry. And so they went on the hunt. Well, what they didn't know is Sonny Ono had already put him up to, like, he started an online auction right there with them in the room. Oh, wow. Like, he promised them a chance to buy this thing, and then he said, oh, but you got to compete against these other two people. Oh, my gosh. And, like, (laughs) Mark Henry was like, Mark Henry walked out. Mark Henry was like, I'm going to punch him right in his face. (laughs) And, like, Big Show was like, well, we'll do this. And so... The mask got like this guy was like it started out like big shows like five hundred bucks, and this other guy goes a thousand. Another guy's like twelve hundred or fifteen hundred. Then it's like it goes up to five thousand dollars. Holy cow! And um, big shows like, well, it's yours, and they walked out. And um, they ended up not being able to buy it. Well, then they go to this guy's house who has one of Andre's passports. And they're like, um, that's a lot of damn money though. Well, yeah. Well, like, I guess the guy is only allowed to like spend a certain amount Mm -hmm. without calling like triple H (laughs) or something. Well, the way it went is, they went all over the place trying to find the guy who had the passport ended up not wanting to sell it, mm-hmm. but he ended up giving them a sign from Andre's first appearance in WWF at Madison Square Garden. Ooh. Okay. And they're like, you're going to give this to us. And they're like, yeah, we'll give it to you. Well, okay. What do you mean by sign? Like a poster, like the poster promoting him coming to Madison Square Garden for the first time ever. Oh, okay. For, right. for WWF, for Vince Sr. So what's that, like 1973? Something like that. Wow. And then they end up going to his this little town in North Carolina where his, uh, like where his ranch was. Andre had his little private rant mm-hmm. and talked to one of his people, his people that hung out with her, with him. And she's like, they go to this museum for this county, and there's a Andre display, and in it is everything they want. Like wow. everything they were asking for is right there. They were like. How much? And she's like, how about 
we switch some things out. Like, you all can have this stuff, and we'll you you give me some stuff from the warehouse. See, okay. that's those are cool trades when they are able to kind of like, okay, hey, you can have. Like, I thought the 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 guy that did Cactus Jack's barbed wire bat was cool. That was a cool trade to me, because like there was there's a ton of barbed wire bats, so you can always recover what that. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. I mean, like, this woman actually was, like, the lady who her and her ex-husband lived on Andre's property. And she would take him to the airport and stuff. So this is the one where the lady in the uh, black and white picture, the lady that's sitting on his shoulders. Right. Oh, okay, okay. Robin and, a history lesson here, Brian. Well, and she was saying how, like, she drove him to the airport for him to go to see to his father's funeral. And he's oh, like, wow. park the car. Come in with me. And she's like, no, I'm mad at you. I'm going home. <laughs> what? Because he had said something to her to piss her off. You know, and she's like, no, I'm not talking to you. Damn. And then he never came home. Aw. Uh, but, like, the lady ended up taking him up to the property and be like, hey, do you want some dirt from Andre's field? You know? Oh, by the way, we scattered his ashes in the field. <laughs> it's like, no thanks, I'll pass. Thank you. <laughs> That's a lot of ashes. They said it was like 19 pounds, I think. Ooh. Yeah, that, but, that, uh, that's too much. <laughs> but then they ended up with, like, they ended up with the giant machine mask and then a purple jacket he wore one time and uh, a, something else that he wore. But then at the end, she's like, I, there, he's like, I really am trying to get a passport. And it was in the display. And he's, she's like, well, I can't give you that one, but I have one up at the house that I can give you. Hmm. It's just like, dang, just give it. All right. Right. That sounds like it was definitely worth the watch. Yeah. It, I mean, I like it just for watching what people, you know, like, I kind of keep going, or right, where they're like, oh, well, we get rid of this and we got rid of that. And now the WD's trying to go back and buy this stuff that these wrestlers sold for God knows what reason, you know? Do you think they'll ever, uh, ever want to recapture Sonny's Hall of Fame ring? No, anything. I don't want anything to touch Sonny. <laughs> why? Why, Brian? Why, Rob? Why can't, why can't they have nice things? Oh, I'm, I mean, I'm not like what Rob, but I really don't think they're going to go looking for it. <laughs> Is that like the dark side of the hidden treasure? Yeah, there, there you go. The dark <laughs> side of uh, uh, WWE treasures. Yeah, let's go hunt down uh, the ring. We find ourselves at a pawn shop here in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, we're here with Toothless George. <laughs> who, who got the ring for a crack pipe and four bottles of Four Loco? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, the stories we could tell. Uh, uh, hey, hey, but hey, 
Miss Miss Sunny Tammy Sitch is free. She's out of prison. Congratulations to her. Sorry, mm -mm. I just turned our Andre conversation, which was so momentous. Well, to Hassan. While we're talking, I'm trying to I'm catching up on the recent episode where they have Ric Flair looking for his butterfly rope. Yeah, those those hidden treasure shows are probably the the better ones. I mean the. <clears throat> The biographies are, I don't know, they're kind of hit and miss for me. I haven't watched the Shawn Michaels one yet. Um, I did, don't shy away from the drugs, I will tell you that. I, I did watch um, the Broken Skull Sessions with, uh, with The Godfather. I still feel like Steve Austin's probably one of the best interviewers out there. He just, and it's because he knows these guys, but he has this way of just getting them to to kind of unload like all the stuff that they've done and like i had no idea that that uh the godfather used to be in a motorcycle gang although it doesn't really surprise me um just how big the dude is but i didn't know he was a country music fan <laughs> and i didn't know that uh that he forgot to thank his wife at the uh, hall of fame speech thing i didn't even realize that all this and Wait. more you can learn on the peacock the Godfather's in? Yes. What? The Hall of Fame? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Pimps up, hose down, you got a ring. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Pimping Pimpin it easy. I guess as as nation or Um I think he went in as the Godfather. Yeah, he went wow. in what, two years ago? <laughs> er, yeah, yeah. That's I think the Godfather, years. yeah. Well, I'm predicting within two years, Barry Horowitz will be next. So, I mean, literally, if, you know, no offense, but kind of like Coco Beware, uh, you know, they hit the bottom of the barrel this time before they fill it up or something. Wow. Uh, I don't even know what to Coco say with that. Coco shouldn't have been in when he got in. I said it then, and I'll say it again. You better watch it, Rob. You're going to end up winding up with a one of those boxes that shows up mysteriously at your front step, and it's just going to have Frankie Poop in it. Frankie Poop. <laughs> Frankie Poop! That's a t-shirt. Frankie Longton dead. So if it poops, then it's like rocks. Ew. All right, that's You know gross. he done pawn that bird. <laughs> I, if I remember correctly, I think he was doing signings, and it was like a a, a, a fake bird. That he would do the pictures with. Frankie's the same pawn shop that Sonny's rings in. Ew. Now it's getting seedier. <laughs> now it's getting seedy. <laughs> uh, so Rob had topic this week. Rob, Rob? You, you had a cool topic. Tell to us about your idea for this week. Well, I thought it'd be cool to talk about, like, we could either do top five or, top, or whatever you think. Like, I, I kind of look... And I listed top five best repackages of superstars. Like when a superstar goes from one territory to another, or they take time off and they come back. Like which which superstars have been repackaged the best, you know? And then on the other side of that, not always does the repackage work. Sometimes the repackage is worse than the original package. Um, but, um, but yeah, 
Okay. And then I brought I brought up two people that I think have been repackaged the most. Oh wow, who's had the most repackaging? Huh? I hadn't even thought of that. Who has had the most repackaging? In my mind, right off the top of the bed, yo, top of, top of my head, I would say Barry Darso or Brutus Beefcake. Oof. Because you think about Barry Darso, how many people he's been. Well. You know, Crusher Khrushchev, Black Dot Bully, Part of Demolition, Repo Man, you know. So that's just four right there. <laughs> I want to say he had a golfer gimmick, too. Yeah. And that's just the ones that made it made television. <laughs> but yeah, I thought okay. if you're interested, if if if, if you're a game, uh, talk about it. Oh, I'm game. I'm game, sir. I actually, I actually made up a list. I actually did my homework. Ah. All right. Well, why don't we start with? Let's start with something a, a little unique here. What about repackages that? That really just made you, like, what the hell did they do to this guy? Like, the worst repackages, I guess. We'll start with that. Okay. Rob, since this was your, since you're on point on this one, I want you to kind of guide us through, and we'll kind of fill in the blanks here. Because I really do like this topic. I just want to make sure we're staying with the with the, the flow of what you had in mind. All right. Um, you want me to say all of them? I would just or do just one at like, a time, kind of a round table kind of deal. Okay. Uh, right off the top of the head, I say Terry Funk and the Chainsaw Charlie. Hmm. Chainsaw Charlie. Brian, when Chainsaw Charlie debuted in the Attitude Era, I want to say it was 1998. Here comes Terry Funk, former NWA World Heavyweight Champion, former ECW World Champion. Um, with a, a stocking on his face and suspenders and a red shirt. Definitely the weirdest one I can recall for a legend like Terry Funk. Yeah, I think? mean, how much, what, what would it drinking or smoking to be like, hey, Terry, I know you're a legend, but we want to put this pantyhose on your head <laughs> and you'd run out there and just act a fool. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, what was your first take on Chainsaw Charlie? Huh? <laughs> That's actually a lot of people that thought that. When you first saw Chainsaw Charlie, it was, huh, what the hell? Uh, I, I couldn't tell you what my first thought of Chainsaw Charlie was. Um, I mean, I don't think it was that bad, honestly, to be one of the, I mean, I wouldn't put it as one of my worst. Okay. Um, to, to me, it was it served the purpose of uh, tagging with Foley. You you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Ultimately, because that's where it ends up, right? And then he gets, of course, what dumped in a dumpster. But yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, I I don't remember. I mean, the the highlight would be the dumpster for me, so I, I couldn't, I don't, 
I guess it wasn't memorable. Yeah. Um, for me. Well, but the, I, don't, I, I wouldn't put it as one of the worst. During the for Attitude me, Era, it, Funk was in both companies. He was in both WCW and WWF. <clears throat> he did Chainsaw Charlie, which, I mean, had some positive moments. The Royal Rumble, where he and Cactus Jack went at it. Um, and then, of course, Brian talks about the run as a tag team, which I think caught a lot of people off guard. Because here you have both legends, which, you know, Mick Foley later gets his comeuppance there. You know, gets his chance. But Funk never really shines in the Attitude Era as in my opinion, in, in a way that a lot of fans would have wanted. Brian, you seem to have a different viewpoint of it or it just doesn't stand out enough to you, if, if I'm gathering what you're saying correctly. Yeah, I mean, it's a forgettable run, but, I mean, in the end, mm-hmm. uh, if the whole point was to get them in the tag team, I think it works. Okay. I remember them more as tagging with Foley than you know, in a feud with Foley, which I'm sure came first. Well, plus the, the, the new age outlaws dumping the, the dumpster. Wow. No pun, no pun intended. Throwing the dumpster off the stage and hearing those immortal words. There's people in there. Like, you know, we didn't see it all unfold on, on in front of us on TV, but you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where I can see where a lot of people will go. Wow. How do you do that to a guy like Terry Funk? Mm. I mean, I really don't think it would have been much of a stretch because like Rob said, he was just out out there acting a fool. And Terry can act a fool pretty, pretty well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's been doing it for years. Yeah. All right. What do you think, Dan? What's one of yours? Uh, <laughs> one of my let's see the the one of the worst. Let's see one of the worst repackaging. I always thought of the Shockmaster as one of the worst repackage ideas. Um, you know, you had Tugboat into Typhoon, which seemed like a pretty seamless transition. But then you get, uh, um, you know, he signs with WCW in '93 ish, that's where he trips through the door and the stormtrooper helmet covered in the. Uh, it's a wall. It's not. There's no door. Oh, it's a yeah, straight wall. Damn, you're right. He does go yeah. through the wall. <laughs> yeah. But this this the glittery stormtrooper helmet was just like, ah, wow. That's just that's just bad. Yeah, see that that's one I would have gone for. Cuz I mean, so I I don't even know if he has a match after that. But the one glaring thing you're going to remember is who's under the mask mm-hmm. and that he falls through that wall. Right, right. <laughs> and it's immortalized forever. I mean, imagine you've come off of a great run as a former tag team champion in WWF. And a main event run with Hulk Hogan when you're tagging with Hogan during his feud with Earthquake. So you've got some, some, kind of, some kind of steam, I would say. But then you get down to WCW where things are definitely done differently. 
And <clears throat> Dusty Rhodes goes, you know what, baby? I got this idea. And all of a sudden, he puts a helmet on your head and says, go, scare people. <laughs> well, not just a helmet. <laughs> a sparkly stormtrooper helmet, if you will. Was the cocaine that good in WCW back then? <laughs> well, apparently the memo didn't get to the production department to cut the wall, so. Ugh. What were... Did, did Dusty always just have crazy ideas for gimmicks? Because remember, he's the one behind Oz. You know, Kevin well, Nash's yeah, fading think. gimmick. It's the thing. There's never been a better time to find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app and place a $10 Moneyline wager on any NBA playoff game. If either team hits a three-pointer in the game, you'll win $200 in free bets. Just use code CAPITAL200 when you make your first bet. Sign up now and discover BetMGM's daily promotions, boosted odds specials, and more. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com and use code CAPITAL200 to win $200 dollars in free bets if either team hits a three in any NBA playoff game. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Is it acceptable to go to Mickey D's just for a drink? <laughs> of course it is. But good luck leaving with just a drink. It's more than a drink. It's a Mickey D's drink. And right now, a small Minute Maid slushie is just $1.59. So all you have to do is choose a flavor, like the tropical mango or strawberry watermelon, and enjoy like it's meant to be enjoyed. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Up the roads had some good things like the Great American Bash and the arcade and the war games, but not everything rose to the top. Nothing, not everything was cream of the crop, as we say. You know what I mean? But was he head like was he part of creative at that time? Yeah, yeah, he's creative behind behind uh, the Shockmaster. And uh, the idea, of course, was, well, we all know the idea. The idea was to create a, a, an intimidating force onto the side of Sting to take on Sid in Harlem Heat. And uh, instead we got, well, what we got. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Poor, poor, poor Fred Hoppin. Now, Edge and Christian did give him a chance. They did give him a chance on their show on the uh, network where they gave him the helmet and let him try to do his debut the right way and uh he he actually did flop the, the debut again it was a great little moment <clears throat> i'm sure impactful moments in television <laughs> so brian let's go to you man like a repackage that you just thought oh this is this is bad Oh, I mean, there's there's a lot of them, but I mean, you took the biggest one. <laughs> I was trying to stay away from that one too. Like, I was like, I made my list. Like, all right, I got to come up with something that's not the Shockmaster. Damn. So I settled. Okay, I got gotcha. you. I'll try harder the next round. 
Oh, damn, they got old Jimmy David Crockett. Huh? Sorry, go ahead. No, who got, what who were got you David saying? Crockett? <laughs> they got David Crockett. Who's this, got David Crockett? On this Ric Flair thing, trying to find his robe. Uh, Flair's sitting down and having dinner with David Crockett to see if he can. He knows where it is. It's kind of cool. Interesting. Uh, I don't know. So let's see. The worst, one of the worst repackaging. Um, and can we just use Wyndham, Barry? Ah, uh, that's a good one. Good pick. Yeah, good one. I hadn't thought about him. The Widowmaker. Uh, Stop. Yeah, and then yeah, whatever that soldier one was. What the hell? Yeah, and the I'm new, sure I'm forgetting somebody. The new blackjacks. Yeah. So let's just say his entire WWE run. <laughs> every every WWE run because he had he had multiple and it was all at different different points. Well, no, no, no. The one where he was teamed <clears throat> with uh, what's his name. The, what the U, yeah yeah the U.S. Express or whatever. Oh wow, that that's it? right. Yeah yeah yeah. The U.S. They Express. They were tag champs. Yep. So you can't count that one. No, and that was a pretty fair run because it was just Barry Windham at that point. I mean, it, that that was probably his best run that he had at WWE. Any t- oh, anytime yeah. he wasn't Barry Windham, it's like, what the hell? The real question is, how do you have a guy as physically imposing and talented? In the ring, on the microphone. I mean, he he looked good. He was a great talker. How do you have a guy like that and say, you know what I see when I see you? I see stalker. Yeah, but don't we kind of beat this dead horse to death every time we talk about the WWE? How they have such talent. That's a fair statement. That's a fair statement. Who created Barry Windham's? gimmicks <laughs> i'm gonna look that up right now who created barry windham's gimmicks uh let's see here good Vince old, McMahon. good old-fashioned wikipedia vince mcmahon that'd be my guess it's got to be him or bruce pritchard i would say it'd be vince i think vince is going to be the one to create it uh, just based off of like draws and all that shit. Oops, He's sorry. got a puke. Yeah, in the board meeting. Ah, well, you know all the times you hear about people that Vince calls them up. Hey, pal, what do you think of this? So I think Vince creates them. Everybody says yes, and then they get the wrestler to buy into it. We're gonna sell T-shirts. It's gonna be great. <laughs> We're gonna sell puke. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Rubber puke, just throw it in the ring. We're gonna have the stalker and he's gonna be like, you know, we're gonna sell like face binoculars and stuff. <laughs> stalker stalker face paint. Of course this is before, you know, stalking was a, uh, you know, uh, a federal crime. I wanna say. I could be wrong. Um Yeah, I'm probably wrong. Okay. <laughs> I'll just we're just, we'll leave it there. Yeah. We'll, yeah. Let's let that lie. Moving on. Rob, who you got next on your list, bro? Uh, I got a couple, but like, let's go with, let's stay with 
like the Barry Windham-esque wrestler, and let's go when WCW tried to make Dustin into whatever that black weird creature was. They call it Black Rain or something. Uh, WCW created one called Seven, where he had the powder white face paint on. Yeah, that one. Ah, okay. Gold dust. Yeah, but I thought they had another one, too. For him. Uh, Rob, talk uh, about Seven while I look that up, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to verify that. Real quick. Well, I mean, it was just like this random character they brought out. They made him, because you could obviously tell. Like, I don't feel like he was off TV long enough for everybody to forget that he was Dustin Rhodes, you know? Mm-hmm. And the, the natural, Dustin. And then all of a sudden, here he comes with the big black trench coat and the white painted face. And, I mean, little did we know he would spend the rest of his, you know, you know, majority of his career wearing face paint. But, you know... um, I had that as one of the worst because it was just like you had that talent as Dustin and then you're like, you know what? We don't need Dustin. We need weird dude with leather and white face. So Dustin Rhodes has gone through, I mean, a few different gimmicks. So the natural Dustin Rhodes, obvious throwback to uh, being the son of the son of a plumber. Um <clears throat> and honestly, I felt and still to this day feel like that was probably the best wrestling work we ever saw from Dustin Rhodes. Although his AEW run right now is pretty solid. Um, then he goes from WCW to WWF where he debuts as Goldust, um, which when it first happened, I remember thinking to myself, this, this is an awful idea because I just didn't get it. I didn't see the entertainment of it. And, of course, as he continues to work the gimmick and really learn how to irritate people, it suddenly starts to resonate, which I admit I kind of caught into it late in the uh, late in the game. And then, of course, he plays a whole lot of nasty tricks on us, Rob, when he comes out as Sable Dust. Um, but he comes back out to WCW, and this was Rince Russo's, uh, I want to say it was like his maiden... Attempt, attempt. Did you just say Rince Russo? I think he did. Did I say Rince Russo? Rince Russo. Have another beer, Dan. I've had none. Vince Russo. Easy for me to say. Um, But no, I want to say the seven gimmick debuts during his, uh, his debut show, where that's where, as Rob said, Dustin ditches it, says, I'm not going to be seen ever again in this crap. Um, and then, of course, he goes back to the Gold Dust gimmick before heading to TNA and going into Relic, which is this. I mean, I don't under. It's killer backwards, obviously, but just an odd, odd gimmick. Brian Dustin Rhodes, his gimmicks. What do you think? Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't know, Stan. I hadn't thought about it. I'm just, I'm listening to you ramble and rant about Dustin Rhodes. I think you're the one who has a problem with his gimmicks. 
I never liked Gold Dust out until we got into. <laughs> I uh, thought I personally put Gold Dust like I had my top five best, but then Dustin into Gold Dust was like one of the honorable mentions. Okay. You know, I felt because it was just like it stood the test of time, you know, and it changed with the times. Like it was creepy and weird, and then he'd go into this different thing. It was able to. Mm-hmm. ebb and flow through the times I thought and uh yeah I mean honestly I don't think this would be one that uh I would I would I don't know if I'd still put it on the top five cause I mean sure the the white powder face but I don't think he even really got started did he I mean wasn't nah. it like a very short period of time and you might have gotten one or two matches before he went back to Gold Dust. Well, he did. He debuted, and I think it was like almost instantly he was like, "This shit is horrible." Right. Yeah, and then he, and then he went back up north, if I remember yeah. right. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I mean, it's kind of like a a speed bump, really, as far as his career. I mean, he definitely flourished under Gold Dust. Uh, he may not have gotten many titles, but I think Rob's right. I think Gold Dust stands the test of time. I think you're just upset, Sam, over Sable Dust. I think he is. I think he's I mad think he because is. he marked out seeing Gold Dust with yep. a butt cheek and realized yep. it was Gold Dust. Yep. <laughs> That's not Sable's butt. Oh. It's a horrible, horrible right, day. Sam, what's your next one? Oh boy! When you talk about repackaged uh, performers, one of the one of the ones that always made me just cringe was El Matador. Ah, he was on my list. Tito Santana is just such a legend, and was a great performer his entire career, even as El Matador. But I just I never understood it. Like some of the characters in WWF when cartoon ish stuff happened was okay and then you got to some stuff like the trash man no offense mr drosy um or uh the shoot t.l hopper the plumber or uh the goon like we're just not even trying we're just (laughs) we're just just writing it down hey i saw this movie let's have this character look just like him i mean they even had a character dressed up as the teenage mutant ninja turtle once on wwf um so yeah, I, I always. <laughs> That's right. Wow, good, good, good pull, Rob. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, when when you look at Tito Santana, it made no sense. There was no need for it. And I mean, I get it. You're trying to get more eyes on Tito again, but I mean, you can't just call him Tito Santana. I mean, people can't just know who he is. I agree. I mean, to me, the reason that he was on my list was just like it was a pointless repackage. Right. You know, when they repackage a wrestler, it's like there's supposed to be a purpose behind it. And I felt like, if anything, it played off the Hispanic stereotype. You know, like, hey, we are we don't know what to do with Tito, but let's, instead of him coming out going, Arriba, he will come out and go, Ole! You know? <laughs> right, right. How do we but change didn't do this? Boring. He didn't, we didn't win anymore. Let's let's get a different demographic. Can we change it to Olay, Tito? Are you feeling Olay? 
and to see that backstage as people try to convince him. This is a great idea. Ah, yeah, but uh, I mean, something tells me Tito would have been enough of a company man to know. I don't think he probably would have needed much mm-hmm. um, convincing. Because I, I think he would have been much like Dusty Rhodes. You know? Where, uh, yeah. Okay, you, you're going to give me a shit sandwich. Let me see what I can make out of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it's kind of like, kind of rates right up there with what they did with Ricky Steamboat at that one Starcade, you know? Where it's like, you know, he comes out dressed like a dragon. <laughs> you know? Like... <laughs> Wearing the dragon is like, but um, oh wow, they found Ric Flair's robe from Starcade '83. Is that the purple one? It's the blue one. Oh, the blue one. When he fought Harley Race to win the title. That's going to cost them. Uh, probably. Back then, though, he didn't have a lot of. I mean, he he had like. The, the dress robe, and then he had, like, regular robes. Right. And I got to give the credit, like, on this show, finally, on a version of this, the dude who, AJ, who's going around with them, he's with Charlotte Flair right now, going around trying to find her dad's stuff. And he actually has a Charlotte Flair shirt on. <laughs> I'm like, dude, finally, because, like, he went with Mark Henry and Big Show, and he was wearing, I think, like, Shinsuke Nakamura's T-shirt. I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they, they st- I think they had actual feedback while they were filming. And like, oh, maybe we need to make sure he's matching up. Because you see his whole, his whole tone change from, like, the first episode as you get further along. Yeah. But... All, All right, right so yeah, it's to, it's to Brian. It's to me. To you, sir. It's to you. It's all about so, you. So, so does like Bastion Booker count? It does. He definitely does. Because he was somebody before. He was Norman and the Lunatic. Yep, yeah, Bastion Booker. Munkin Singh, I think is how it's pronounced. It, was that the Friar? The fryer. Wow, Brian bringing the bringing the hardcore gimmicks here. Damn, the fry. I forgot all about him. Was that the right? Was that his right? The right name of the fryer? I think so. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, and, and see, the problem with this one is you ultimately forget who he was before. Right. Like, what was his first gimmick? Oof. Uh, Hold a... on, I I have don't look at Wikipedia. I'll be right back and I will try and find the answer. <laughs> Hold on, I'll be right back. Y'all talk amongst yourselves. Pageandcagematch.net. Pageandcagematch.net. <laughs> um, you know, Muckin Singh. Right now, is... he's trying to move all the stuff on the steps so he can get upstairs and figure it out because we got a book up there. I was gonna say, I I guarantee you, he's gonna find it in one of them. Um. I actually I like Norman the Lunatic. I remember he used to carry around that teddy bear. Yeah. And he was part of the unofficial member of the Dudes with Attitude. You remember that group, right? Back when Sting was feuding with Flair. Mm-hmm. Um. But it's an example of like 
it's all. I think it's also it's also one of the examples of Vince was so ex- so so convinced that people had to be different. Yeah, you know, he wanted everybody's he wanted people's characters to differ from wherever they came from to where to WWE right. to the point where I mean, even Harley Race couldn't be Harley Race. He had to be the King Harley Race. You know, and you know, very few of them actually got to keep their name that they had. You know what always bothered me about the Harley Race move was how much he had to be sold on the change. Because when he talks about it, you remember how how just much reverence he put into it. Harley, we're gonna make you the king of the ring, and you can just you can literally when Harley Race describes it in interviews. You can just hear him in Vince's voice, like, describing it. And it, you feel like, damn, this is a guy that... I mean, he was a hard-nosed wrestler. He was not, like... I, I didn't see gimmick when I saw him. I saw, this is a guy that you don't you don't F with in the ring. Kind of like Ole Anderson. Like, he could break you up. I can hear the pages turning. He is definitely researching right now. Wow. They just offered for an 83 robe and a boot. From and Royal one Rumble. boot. <laughs> one boot. Royal Rumble. They just offered a $16,000. And the guy's like, nope. Didn't even have to date. He's like, oh, boot. yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah, that's going to be at least at least twenty grand for the robe. Nope. Not even twenty grand. So. All right, Stan. So let's see. Well, a so it's a one of a kind, like one in the world, mm-hmm. robe from one of the greatest world championship matches ever, mm-hmm. worn by one of the greatest world champions ever, mm-hmm. and you'd sell it for twenty. No, I'm saying that that's what it's. I figure that's what they're going to offer. It's going to get at least a twenty before they get that acquired. I don't know what if if I'm in that situation, Brian. To answer your question, I don't know what I would I would accept. Cause How about it, nothing? One of one. Yeah, that worn by yeah Ric Flair versus. Harley Race, mm-hmm. and is that Ric Flair's first? No, that was... Or third? That's his third, I think. Third? But yet, that does set, like, his reign of terror up. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Because that's when, really, the horsemen get moving. Well, yeah, a little bit after that, yeah. Yes. Mm, mm, mm. Yes. One of a kind. I, I mean, that would be like, uh, uh, what would be something Shawn Michaels only wore once? Um, but he turned it down. Turned down, and now he's agreed to let the WWE borrow it. <laughs> In other words, he ain't getting it back. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, you, know, you kidding me? That warehouse, they're gonna be like, I'm sorry, it was lost in cataloging. 
Nope. I bet you there's see, the problem with these shows, right? Especially the ones that let people borrow them. Mm-hmm. There is a nice big fat legal contract written up. And it'll, it's just like any other museum. It's going to be insured. And how dumb do you have to be to be like, mm, let's just let it fall off the mannequin and disappear. Because well, then like, nobody's, nobody will put anything in your museum again. Well, it's like they, during the Andre show, they had Andre's suit jacket. Like, it's in the warehouse. And so they pulled it out, and then Mark Henry walks through, and he's like, they're like, hey, you want to try it on? And Mark Henry's like, what? And I'm thinking, I don't see no gloves. I don't see no, like. <laughs> but I just want to go to the warehouse one time. My daughter's already said that if, if they ever open up a museum, she's going to buy me tickets. So. So Brian, did you Hyphen find? Man. Well, he's he's looking up his uh, he's he's looking up his research. What no, was I'm just first? flipping through an encyclopedia. <laughs> so let's Trump think here. Shooting. So there's the fryer, there's mm-hmm. Bash and Booger, there's mm-hmm. Muck and Sing, and that mm-hmm. was his global days. Muck and stuff. HR Muck and stuff. Um, Norman the Lunatic. <laughs> Um, and he might have just gone by just Norman at one point. Wow, that's five. That's five different gimmicks for sure. Jeez, oh, and none might... of them amount to anything. No, right? You know what I'm saying? It'd be different if you had like a couple losers and a couple really good ones. But to have like all loser gimmicks. <laughs> yeah, I, and you know, it's not like uh, I, I would expect him to be world champ or anything. However, like, you know, you you switch these guys because they're stale and hopes that they'll jumpstart and earn you some money down the line. But I don't even think y'all gave them, like, a win over any major competitor. No. No, as a matter of fact, Bastion Booger, outside of beating, you know, enhancement talent, never catches a big win against anybody. Not even a guy like Jim Duggan who – to his credit, was willing to put over just about anybody. Um, right. And I don't even think Virgil was the same way back that back then, and I don't even think Virgil put him over. Wow. That's a good pick, Brian. Bastion Booger. Nicely done, sir. Nicely <laughs> done. Wow. All right. So, Rob, let's move on, yes. man. What do you got? Um, I'm going to say for my next one, Prince Albert and whatever gimmicks he's had. Mm. Tensai and... Like... <laughs> Tensai! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you forget about that? Because, again, we're talking about gimmicks and, like, they changed it and he still didn't do anything. Mm. Let's see here. Uh, Japan, known as Giant Bernard. A-Train in WWE. WWF, he was Bernard, no, 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 A-Train, Albert, Prince Albert, and then Tensai, and now, of course, he's one of the lead coaches in NXT, Matt Bloom. Um, yeah, I, 
Did he and Test ever win a title? I don't think so. What was the name of the tag team? TNA. Let's go to the book. Remember, they had Trish Stratus as their manager. Let's see if they're in here. Excuse me, valet. She was their valet. Well, there's Test. Mm hmm. Test one with Booker T. Mm -hmm. But I don't see. uh, How would they have him in here? Uh, uh, Prince. Prince. Let's see. The Quebecers. Almost there. We're almost there. Boo. Quebecers. Boo. Uh, so I don't have him. He, I bet you he's under Albert. He's under A for Albert. Yep, there he is. Uh, did you say A train? A train. Yeah. However, he was an intercontinental champion. Suck on that one. He'll be in the Hall of Fame next. Oh, that brought up another one. Fire and Ice. Mm-hmm. Fire and Ice. Uh, Scott, Scott Norton and, and Ice Two Cold Scorpio. Right? No, that was Ice Train. Ice Train was, was Ice. Although, to be honest with you, Norton and Scorpio might attack. I always liked Norton. He was... I always uh, remind- he reminded me of somebody who was just like legit, like, you know, kind of like Brock in the ring. You might get away with one hit, but dude, right. nah, Brock. There was a time Sorry. where um, the giant hadn't been lifted off of his feet, and like on a nitro, Norton just deadlifts him. <laughs> like, okay, watch <laughs> what I can do. It's like, holy crap. It's like the dark match where Goldberg lost at like twenty two, his streak. You know, like right, that right. never happened, folks. I didn't lose. That would that never happen. That's bull crap. Oh, uh, okay. So Adrian, that's a pretty solid pickup because he he does go through some damn gimmicks. Lord Tenzai. Yeah, the unbeatable Tenzai, but then he gets beat. He he did tag with Brodus Clay as part of the the, the, the what was it called Sweet Tea and Brodus Clay. So he was Sweet Tea. <laughs> so that counts as one of his gimmicks is Sweet Tea. That's great. It's great. All right. Um, hmm. Repackaged. Let's see. You know, you mentioned it before, so I'll go with it. How about Jacques Rougeau? The Mountie. So, the Rougeau brothers, to me, were a great tag team. I thought they were good. Uh, I was actually surprised that they never actually had a tag title run. But when he comes back as the Mountie, and then... Then is teamed with um, 
now known as PCO, Jean-Pierre Lafitte. Remember, he was the pirate at one point. Also a bad gimmick. Um, the Quebecers themselves, their song was We're Not the Mounties. Um, I, I remember being just so irritated because it didn't make any sense to have them beat a team as accomplished as, like, the Steiners. And I remember them beating – remember, it was by Quebec rules, and it was – just it just made no sense to me i never have understood how you go from you know being in a, in a cool tag team like the rujos to like the mountie but i mean as brian said that dead horse is already reincarnated and coming back and beating beaten again i think you just don't like them because they're canadian and i think that is very uh uh what's the word i'm looking for um. Yeah, I'm not gonna throw one of those big, big bad words at you, but that's <laughs> you should like Canadians. They're fun people. Um, I was told I'm supposed to blame Canada for everything. Well, maybe. But I mean, come on, how could you not like the Mountie with this little cattle prod? <laughs> How could you not like the cattle prod? I, I, yeah. Yeah. Nah. You're just... You just don't like Canadians. I mean... I don't know. Are, are there any good Canadians? Oh, there's a lot of good Canadians. And you know it. This just in in the email. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, Brian, uh, your next next entry on the repackaged Y-type gimmicks. Man, wasn't wasn't this little fellow from – some guy from uh, ECW or something take a, take a trip in the land? Oh, no, I guess it would have worked the other way. Wasn't, wasn't just incredible one of these guys? Ah. Wasn't he under a mask? Yeah, he was uh, Aldo, Aldo Montoya. Montoya. <laughs> but <laughs> I guess it went the Aldo. other way. Did it go the other way? It did. So he went okay, through. Never mind. We'll, we'll take him off the list. Job guy PJ Walker to Aldo Montoya to just, just incredible. incredible. Right. Yeah, so I got it backwards. Next. Who's next? <laughs> I, I lost my turn. <laughs> Brian has uh, surrendered his turn. Okay. What in the hell? Speaking of bad gimmicks, it looks like Nikki Cross is a superhero now. Hey! C- c- no. Rob, who's next on the bad repackage list outside of Nikki Cross and this horrible crap? All right, so then I'll go again. Why not? Okay. Um, man. I just had one, and I just... Oh, what about Greg Valentine? Ah, yeah. The 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 hammer, Greg Valentine, the dream team, and then, well, and obviously that's not in the right order, but the dream team, the hammer, and then the ill-fated. The black rhythm, hair. Rhythm and blues. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a guy that has no rhythm whatsoever. But definitely had the ability to make people sing the blues. Thank you, Vince. I'll take my royalty check. Uh, Greg Valentine and Rhythm of Blues just was not not the thing. What in the hell? 
Hey, Nikki Cross is now playing Create a Wrestler number 502 on Raw. As she's the super butterfly. Anyway, moving on. Uh, yeah, I, I got to say that uh, Greg Valentine's move into Rhythm and Blues was awful. I did not dig that at all. That was called. He's probably the only one that they could get to work with the Honky Tonk Man that didn't want to kick it out. Honky Tonk Man didn't have a lot of friends in WWF, that's for sure. Once, uh... Once it, it got past about WrestleMania 6 into WrestleMania 7, Honky was just kind of out of flavor. He didn't really do anything else after that. With WCW, he goes there, but that was kind of it. He was the greatest Air Continental Champion of all time. Right. <laughs> well, since Brian was able to... Uh, Reclaim his spot, Rob. Let's go back to your side of the list there. And uh, right. what do you got? For worst gimmicks, let's go kind of in the same genre that Brian was thinking. Let's take Terry Taylor and make him the Red Rooster. Ooh. Ooh. Now, I don't know if there's a lot of validity to it, but... The, apparently the Red Rooster gimmick was supposed to be a rib on Terry Taylor because he thought he was, as everybody would put it, the cock of the walk. And I'm not trying to be funny. That's that's the, 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 the story I read once about that. Oh, I can see it's motivated both of you. Brian, what did you think of uh, the Red Rooster? What did you think, Stan? I didn't see much of it. Um, he loses at WrestleMania five to Mr. Perfect, and who who getting I guess packaged from Kurt Hennig to Mr. Perfect. Um, one gimmick going up, one gimmick going down, and I don't think we see the Red Rooster after that. No, you saw him after that, right? Didn't we? That can't that can't be his highlight. <laughs> Losing to well, I mean, because he's turns down Bobby Heenan, and uh, let's see here, Rooster wrestler turns down Bobby Heenan. Heenan swears that he's going to bring somebody to get revenge for embarrassing him. Um, when he does, it is. Steve Lombardi, the enhancement talent who is put back into as the Brooklyn Brawler. Rooster the Brooklyn Brawler. <laughs> the Red Rooster defeats uh, the Brooklyn Brawler on an episode of Saturday Night's main event. It then defeats Heenan. Oh, speaking at... of him, what's he become? The wrestler, the, 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 the baseball fan. Brooklyn Brawler... <sighs> To me, the Brooklyn Brawler himself was just kind of the timeless gimmick. The MVP, Abe Knuckleball, Schwartz. Sorry. Yeah. That's what it was. Uh, that, man, that didn't last long either, did it? Mm-mm. Wow. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just thought about it when you're like, no, you're okay. Brawler. I was like, talk about crappy gimmick. <laughs> What about the tailor-made man? 
when he was part of the York Foundation. Yeah. I think the York yeah, Foundation but- was a good idea. I just think in the era of the Four Horsemen, you didn't need another group trying to be rich elitists. But he had a decent go in WCW. I felt like WCW gave Terry Taylor a lot more respect for his role. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think his NWA, WCW days were a whole lot more kinder. There's mm-hmm. WWE stuff. He does later they come back. The butterfly robe. He does later come back to WCW in um, no WWF after a WCW run in '92, which I completely forgot about. As terrific Taylor Terry Taylor, terrific Terry Taylor, easy for me to say, um, beating the likes of uh, or feuding with the likes of Max Moon and who can tell me who this guy is? Lance Cassidy. Uh, nope. Incorrect. Lance Cassidy? Yep. Is Lance Cassidy. I win. <laughs> Incorrect. He was actually Steve Armstrong. Wow. Interesting. Okay, so Rob comes out with well, uh, took those. <laughs> Terry Taylor, which, uh, yeah, that's... It makes sense to uh, bring him up. Uh, he, he did actually feud with uh, Barry Windham, by the way, in uh, 89. No, get out of here. You've taken the peanut M&M's, go. <laughs> wow. Away! You've taken my M&M's. <laughs> uh, you know, repackaged gimmicks and, and guys who, who didn't have to get repackaged probably shouldn't have been repackaged. Um, oof. Gosh, there's a few, but I always felt like uh, it wasn't necessarily. Maybe, maybe I'm not using the rule properly here, but I always felt like Hacksaw Jim Duggan going from a verified badass to a a, a, a clown of himself, basically carrying the American flag, which was great, carrying the two by four, which is cool, but then all he ever does is say ho and punch and do body slams I think the thing about Hacksaw like the thing I got was when he was wrestling when I you watched like Duck Dynasty and he showed up to a birthday party and came out of the back of the U-Haul truck into the ring and I'm just like will you ever say no you know what I mean right but then again, when you meet the man in person, his hand is the size of some people's heads. Yeah, he's a big dude. Even in a, even today, I mean, like we met him in ooh, what year was it, Rob? Two thousand eleven. The the AWE event we met him at. Yeah. And uh, he was in his sixties at that point. Still, just a huge dude. And I will say it's one of the first times a wrestler made stand feel awkward. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was uh, <laughs> trying to corral people for interviews, and I asked him if he wanted to do an interview on the uh, the the show of Wrestle Rage, 
And he's like, yeah, yeah, come on to the back. And I was like, um, I'm not really sure if I'm supposed to. Of course, you know, he says, come on to the back and we'll, we'll you know, talk about it. I was like, I don't know where you're going because he just disappears. So maybe it was just his way of shutting up a fan. So, again, there's an ulterior motive on why you picked him. First, he's Canadians. Now it's the American hero. Wow. So this is the it's like that. Okay. Uh wow. All right. Fine. Brian, who's yours? <laughs> who's next? I I mean uh, I'm gonna have I, I'm gonna have to throw flag on that one though. Flag on the play, you think it's a I- illegal use of the rule? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alright. So should I should I pick again? Pick again. Alright, Steve Kern. Skinner. Why? Why do we need a gator wrestling character? Why do we need somebody spitting tobacco everywhere, which was gross? Um, oh, um, especially at the same time we had, what, the Outback, Outback Jack or something? Well, never mind the fact that Stan Hansen used to do it, and Stan Hansen was legitimately tougher than Steve Kern, in my opinion. It's a dang Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's not that kind of show. <laughs> Stan Hansen did what? Spit tobacco when he was in the ring. Oh. Man. What? Didn't he? That was like when TV shows leave you hang, hanging for a year on a climax. And you're like, whatever. I don't know about the whole tobacco thing. Hey, tobacco is wacko. I think you're wacko. I mean, I think you're just you just have hangups about some of these guys. Steve Kern was a great wrestler. Yes, he, <laughs> Steve Kern was a great wrestler. Skinner, on the other hand, was the drizzling shits. Oh, uh, so now it's about the alligator thing, huh? For yeah, Canadians alligators. and <laughs> Americans. So what have we learned here alligators. today, folks? Stan hates alligators, Canadians, and American heroes. Uh, none of which. What about you, Brian? Next on your list. Um, I had one. I think I forgot it again because uh, I got distracted. Thinking about Canada and alligators? No, actually, I have one, and this is uh, this is probably the biggest one, right? In my opinion. And y'all are going to laugh. You're going to scoff. You're going to say no way. But I'm going with Lex Luger. Wait, what? Wow. Okay. So we have Lex Luger. Uh Uh-huh. In WCW, NWA. Right? Right. Champion. Right? All that good stuff. Held multiple titles. Goes up north. Becomes what? The narcissist. the narcissist. Narcissist. Well, they say then goes, the best character is just yourself ramped up. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then goes to what? What was it? Mr. USA. Lex Express. And then the time that it's time to cash in, 
he go home and he screws it up and walks away with no title only tuck his tail and go and back go south. south. Hmm. Good one. That, you know, I would not have thought to, to select Lex Luger simply because he saw a pretty decent amount of success with each repackaging, but that's a that's a really good look at Brian making uh making us think. That's a good pull, dude. Luger, of course, you know, he has a huge amount of fanfare when he starts in NWA WCW. He's dubbed the total package. He comes to WWF after uh well, I think it was like a motorcycle accident where he has to do the forearm and it supposedly had retired does the bodybuilder thing, which the narcissist lasted less than a year. But Mr. Uh, Mr. Made in the USA feuds with Yokozuna, has a, a nice little tag run with Davy Boy Smith. But because he doesn't win the WWF title, yeah, he goes back to WCW and remains the total package at that point. At least in his case, he had he had success with his repackaging. I would not call that success. I mean, his success to the narcissist was being showcased on a bodybuilding show that lasted how many weeks? Ooh, uh, WBF. Um, not very many would be the best way I can describe it. I, I don't remember the amount, but yeah, that's a good point. And then for uh, all the hype of the Lex Express, I get a slam, and he still doesn't get the title. That that bothered me. When Lex wins by countout at SummerSlam 93, the world collectively right there on that finish because apparently, and not judging, not according to the crowds because their reaction for Lex was huge, but apparently those in the back, felt that Lex was not drawing enough, was not a strong enough draw. Interesting. Hmm. All right, Rob. Oh. Well, let's go with, I think one of my last ones is the Texas Tornado. Hmm. Okay. Kerry Von Erich, uh-huh. who came out as the Texas Tornado, which then they quickly referred to him as the Texas Tornado Kerry Von Erich. Mm-hmm. But he was so cracked out in his mind most of the time. <laughs> like, mm. There's a lot of conversation that when he won the title from, uh, from Kurt Hennig at SummerSlam 1990, that he was uh, pretty well on his way to uh, a, higher, a higher plane. We'll put it that way. Well, and I mean, I liked his wrestling when he was WC, like world class Texas, and was excited to see him debut on WWF because I was like, you know, it was one of the first that I was like, wait a minute, I remember seeing him, and then nothing. Yeah, as a kid, I remember seeing him debut, and I had no idea about any of the the drug issues that he had at that time. I knew that. Um, 
I knew a little I, bit of the history of the Von Erics from. Let's see, he debuts in ninety, so it wasn't global. It would have been world class on ESPN. So I knew a yeah, little bit. And, so I saw his match like against Flair, and I was like, "Wow, this guy's really good." Um, and then he's he's there for ninety through ninety two mid 92 before he kills himself unfortunately um but that's the to me that's just the craziest thing because you could have just called him carrie von eric but in hit in this case rob i would say this kind of transitions from from bad repackage to kind of a good one because i mean he was successful but i could see an argument for, for saying he didn't need to be called that Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was just, it was between him and Crush, okay? You stick to your guns, Rob. I happen to agree. Damn. Wow. I mean, as the Texas Tornado, he had no, didn't do anything. They took his name from him, Stan. That's true, and we and all know how much was, I hate that. And I think it was also, like, I think it was also like um, a moment where Rick again Vince is like, "Here, I'm in control now. You know, you're in my yard. You're not in Texas where the Von Erichs run free." In another shining example of the the lack of respect from Vince towards other promotions, brings Dusty in. Oh, he's a. He's a star in Crockett, even though my dad saw something. You know, I'm not going to do it. So he makes him into a gimmick that ultimately Dusty turns into, a, you know, a huge hit. Um, Kerry Von Erich, another example, comes in. And as he's coming in, you know, Rob, to your point, they call him the the Texas Tornado Carrie Von Eric, they go use that as his nickname, and then basically they just drop the nickname or drop the Carrie Von Eric part and just start calling him the Texas Tornado. Whereas it just made no sense. It wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of logic behind that. But he did, I felt like he had success, even though it was limited time. But it, of course, at no point do I know of anything about his drug issues until after the fact, after he kills himself. So. Well, that's back in the day where you didn't readily know of information you know what i mean it was right like, right you didn't hear of anything until you what you read pro wrestling illustrated and damn mm-hmm. it wasn't on the you know in the first pages it was like the wrestling world lost carry von eric you know i mean yeah kind of there for a little while it was like every couple months somebody in the von eric family was having issues you know but um i mean if you ever watched that tape of that family i mean the, the dvd they did it was like oh well the the timeline of the the von eric family just dying through illness and suicide and all of that it was just ridiculous and it's it was always insane to me that i mean I, god bless uh uh david for ha- or kevin sorry for having survived all of that but it's just insane to me to have to see a whole family experience that much loss in such a short amount of time. All right. 
There you go. You make them statements, but you think they're questions. No, no, I didn't. I didn't. I was just kind of letting it. I, in that situation, I truly was just letting it linger there for a second. Uh, oh. Because it's not exactly like, all right, well, speaking of uh, tragedies, let's think of another battery package. <laughs> um, you know, I think uh, Rob Rob mentions Crush. I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let Rob talk about that one on his next. But I think that's a great pick, by the way. Um, how about how about Savio Vega? Quang the Ninja. <laughs> Do you remember Quang the Ninja? Oh. Uh. Yeah. There's one person. <laughs> Rob actually remembers. I remember. Um, Pepper Farm remembers. Uh, Brian, do you remember Quang the Ninja? Why, yes. I'm looking at a picture of him right now. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Savio Vega was, was actually a, a great talent in Puerto Rico for years before he ever got the WWE. He gets to WWE, and their instant thought is, "Hey, let's uh, let's let's put a mask on this guy. Let's no one's going to recognize him, so let's give him a a stellar character here." Um, Quang does have uh, cameos in WWF Raw and WWF Rage in the Cage on Sega CD, um, and that's kind of it. Oh, he God. lasted for about a year. Rage in the Cage. I don't know what's worse, the name or Sega CD. <laughs> I will say Sega CD, although it did have some <laughs> cool titles. Sewer Shark was cool. And, um... Okay, moving on. <laughs> Brian, any thoughts on Quang the Ninja? Okay. <laughs> Brian was not impressed. <laughs> All right, Brian, it's to you, sir. Repackaged. What do you got? Hello. Wow. Skip. Skip. (laughs) He's not ready. Okay. Got it. All right, Rob, you had one. I think it needs to be mentioned. Go ahead. Bring it out, buddy. Crush. It was like they introduced him as Crush, part of Obviously, Axe, Smash, and Crush. Mm-hmm. They brought the third member demolition, which is one I thought was one of the dumbest things ever. But um, then um, they repackaged him as, hold your phone, you'll never guess it, Crush. <laughs> but Fiona Crush, hang 10, bravo. As a Hawaiian dude, you know, I'm like, Makes no sense. So, I actually liked the uh, the three members of Demolition. I liked Demolition. But when they have him come back out as Kona Crush, I remember being like, um, okay, they could have just left him as part of Demolition, but okay. Uh, then at the same time, they have him later turn bad. And have him attack the Macho Man. Where there's Evil Crush. They always, you know, they always missed an opportunity, by the way, with Crush. And not having a uh, Hasbro that did. You remember the bear hug that Hulk Hogan does? 
They could have easily yeah. done that with like an open hand on Crush to make him do the, the head crush thing. Missed opportunities. Missed opportunities. Then he becomes uh, one of the disciples of the apocalypse. And then he becomes a member of the NWO. And then he becomes a member of Chronic with another repackaged guy, Brian Clark, Adam Bomb, or Raph. Apparently he was also a member of the nation. Oh, crap, that's right, when they first started. Holy cow. I had forgotten all about that. That's right. Would that, would that have been when they had uh, Wolfie D and, and JC Ice, PG-13, right? Yeah, and somebody else was it. Uh, somebody else was in it real short, too. A short timer. Or it was booted out. I forget. So, all right. So, Nation of Domination, he was a member of them from December of 96 through June of 97. Uh, Clarence Mason, Mark Henry, and let's not forget Owen Hart was a member of the nation. That move never made sense to me, him being part of the nation. Huh. All right. There's Dang. The there you have it. They found the butterfly robe, right? Mm-hmm. It reached first surface on eBay. Well, then it's, of course, in Richmond, Virginia. And the guy who has it is like, well, I'll I'll be offered to sell it. But I want the lion robe from Ric Flair's heyday. The you know, lion when he first introduced the big gold. Oh. And who has that the lion robe? But little Nate. Ah. And so they go to his house and they're like, We need this robe and he goes and the guy's like, I'm willing to offer you money. What what how much do you think? And, the, and he looks right at me like, I don't know, I don't want to be a dick. Like I don't know. <laughs> And he starts crying and Rick Flair's like, I'm so sorry and he's like, I've had this a very long time And it's hanging next to his little Nate's robe. But anyway, why do I get the feeling right. we're going to actually see a dark side of the ring episode about these hidden treasure shows? Yeah, all these victimized fans. Little Nate will have a, a segment. It's going to be bad. <laughs> uh, I, it's not going to happen. Hopefully, they won't give it up. That that's how this season should end. Because I think this is the last episode where nobody gives up Ric Flair memorabilia. <laughs> Well, like, I think it's odd that they start looking for it, right? Because Conrad Thompson apparently has been looking for it for years mm-hmm. and can't get a hold of it. And all of a sudden now it appears, and it's like – and apparently what? it's stolen from a from – a, it was stolen or left in a hotel room. And, you know, now the guy's like, I want this. Uh, if I was Rick Flair, I'd be like, you didn't buy it in the first place. You stole it. Mm, yeah, you can't say he stole it, though. Oh, of course, no one's going to admit they stole it. There's a yeah, reason but I, why. There's a reason why the guy who listed it on eBay, on the show, you could see the screen that the 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 
the title, the subtitles is like, well, I don't really want to be, I don't really want publicity or be seen, so I'm going to send somebody else. <laughs> you ain't. Yeah, but that, I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't mean he stole it. Right. I mean, it was stolen, but who knows who stole it? Because that, I think, in the, what the previews it said, it's been stolen for twenty years or so. Yeah, That's last not longer time the scene was two, nineteen ninety three on Monday Night. Uh, yeah. yeah. Wow. I imagine there's quite a few robes of flair that he left behind at different places. Oh, well, I'm sure. One that got stolen in the arena. In his book, he writes about it. Like he, he's in the dress room, can't find his robe. Looks out the window, and a guy's run, walking down the street with it on. And he goes, "That's my robe." And the guy just turns around and flicks him off and keeps on walking. <laughs> Jeez. But Screw then you, again, his, his his ex wife sold him for like pennies on a dollar. Like Man. he was away in Japan once, comes home, and his ex wife was like, or his wife's like, hey, I got rid of those robes out of the closet so we have more room. <laughs> what? what oh, that's awful. I don't remember giving you permission to sell that stuff, but okay. So we've talked about multiple gimmicks repackaging that didn't need to happen. Why let's don't talk about the good stuff. Yeah, let's transition to some that that maybe at first was like, huh? But then it became iconic in a way. Um, there's some obvious ones that I'm sure we're going to yep. touch on. There's some not so. And then there's some recent ones that I think have turned out most times really well, even though they've had some down points. Only time will tell. Right, right. Um Rob, you let us off with the uh, with the downtrodden. Let's let's uplift us. What do you got? All right, the first one I'm going to go with is Mick Foley. When they took him from Cactus Jack and he came in, they made him Mankind. Mm-hmm. And then the way they evolutionized him to dude love, like be able to encompass all the gimmicks he's had in his career. I just think one of the best repackages is like when they did that was pretty quality. Mankind's gimmick was the perfect synergy between a performer and creative working together. Because initially, you remember Mankind the Mutilator or Mason the Mutilator was the idea they had. And, you know, he had more of a, a Hannibal Lecter type vision. And he adds to that as he's gotten so improved over his course of time in ECW and wcw in japan and all of a sudden it becomes like this he was the one character that could get in the undertaker's way all the time like he was the guy that could beat the undertaker and it's weird because every wrestler has that one that they just can't seem to get past and lord knows the undertaker did a lot to him over the years but um and i think all the credit in the world goes to mick foley for taking that gimmick and creating a, just a, a whole nother level of, especially in the in his early stage of like 94, 95, uh, villainy. Brian, your thoughts on Mankind? Uh, you said villainy, didn't you? I did. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. You said villainy. 
you, you, you don't like the big word. word. I, I, I know. I, I got my word of the day toilet paper, man. I'm good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. I only use 75 cent words. <laughs> so, okay. All right. Uh, I'm trying to avoid the obvious one because I know it's going to come out and I'm not, I don't want to be the one. Spit it. Spit it out. I mean, What's the obvious one. All right. The obvious one's The Undertaker. Boo, that's not obvious. Really? Okay. All right, well. No, I'm just kidding. I'm I was going to say, because Mean Mark is actually very good in WCW, in my opinion. He's part of the Skyscrapers. He has, in my opinion, at that time, he had a future. Like, I, I thought he did. I thought he could be, at the very least, a top-tier tag team with Sid. Um, right. Or Spivey. Or both. I don't remember which one he teamed with more regularly. But either way, I, I, go ahead. Spivey at first. Yeah, but I honestly felt like they had a, a they had a chance, like especially him. But he comes to WWF, and you know the whole time that this, because when the Undertaker debuts, it's the same night that the Gobbledygooker debuts. And I'd much, 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 much more, much rather see uh, the Undertaker than the Gobbledy Mother. Yeah, I mean he he gets. Uh, he has dubbed the, you know, the mystery opponent for the Million Dollar Man's team. Um, he is initially managed by Brother Love. And out comes this guy that, you know, makes kids cry, you know, scares people. And you do. You get this eerie feeling of, like, holy hell, this guy is just. And, and then when you realize, because at first I didn't know who it was. And then he takes his hat off and everything, and I remember going, wait a minute, that's Mean Mark. And, and at first I thought, oh, this isn't going to work. They just they just took the master of the hard punch. But, I mean, obviously, uh, obviously, Mark Calloway turns it into absolute gold and a legendary Hall of Fame career. Well, you know there's somebody somewhere. And so, you know, there's always somebody that have been like, Ah, oh, that damn Undertaker gimmick ain't gonna last. Just ride it out, man, and last a couple of years, and then you'll be on to something else. <laughs> How many years later? Yeah, still talked about today. One of the best. You think about it, like though, like when you talk about gimmicks and and characters that stood the test of time. You know, I mean, besides. Sting, who has always been Sting, you know? I mean, he was part of the Dingo Warriors, but, like, you got Sting. Well, you got The Undertaker. There's not many people that probably even remember him as, or think of him as Mean Mark. Mm-hmm. You know? So, good pick. Didn't even cross my mind on the list, by the way. I'll admit well, I, I felt like it was kind of an obvious grab, but I mean, you you can't look at repackaged performers and not see see him because I mean, just jeez, what a, what a great concept that uh, they put together. All right, Brian. Hello, Brian. You got you got a repackaged oh, pick? Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe. Why don't you just never mind? I'm not. I'm not arguing with you now. 
Anyway, I was muted, so suck it. Okay. <laughs> I'm so confused. Uh, he was talking to us. He, he was having a good argument with himself there for a while. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. I, I was giving him the silent treatment. Uh, didn't even know. Yeah. Anyway, like, I think the Undertaker no would have to, to my be the, the biggest ever repackage. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think he's he's right, b- ever. far and away of it. Yeah, like he is the ultimate example of wow, this one really worked. Yeah, I mean, I think he would even top Austin and The Rock. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I would say that you because Austin stayed Austin. I mean, he had stunning Steve and the Ringmaster, but like it was always still kind of in the same genre. You know what I mean? Even his uh. American badass ones uh, it was still kind of similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, Big Evil was probably as close to Mean Mark as we would ever get in his WWF run. Is that a statement or a question? No, it's a statement. I'm, you need to like, uh, you need a bell or something. So like, when you make a statement, you got to ring the bell. <laughs> and then when you ask a question, you just <laughs> you get confused. Uh, I don't know. So I guess for me, uh, let's go uh, Scott Hall, maybe. Ooh. Okay. Uh, yeah. Rob, if, if I recall, you had a pretty good follow on the, the chronological order of Scott Hall's gimmicks, but it's the Coyote Starship or Starship Coyote, Magnum yeah. Scott Hall. Yeah, I remember Magnum Scott Hall when I first saw him because I was like, when he showed up as Razor, I was like, what the hell? The Diamond Stud, which is the initial pieces of Razor Ramon I think is what you see and then he comes to WWF as Razor Ramon and then with him going to ultimately WCW as Scott Hall the whole package is together at this point and it's we talk about it all the time when we talk about performers that should have been world champion but never were Uh, Scott Hall stands like right close to the top of that list I would say so. I would say he's probably very close to the top of that list. Those that could have and should have, but never were. Mm-hmm. Definitely a, a solid, solid selection, Brian. Um, Scott job. Hall. Yeah, that's a great one. All right, Rob. Well, let's stay in the genre of The Undertaker and McFoley, and let's go from Isaac Yankum to Kane. Ooh. Wow. A demented dentist to perhaps one of the most worst iconic brothers characters. ever. No. Right. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> the worst case of sibling rivalry you'll ever see. <laughs> um, man, I remember thinking that 
when they talked about Kane is still alive, that's got to be Kane. Your brother Kane is alive. And I remember thinking, oh, no, they're going to take The Undertaker and they're going to make a really, really bad mistake here. And then all of a sudden we see Kane for the first time, 1997, Bad Blood, where um, ultimately he tears the door off of Hell in the Cell. He slams and tombstones The Undertaker, and Glenn Jacobs becomes iconic, and and he never looks back. Brian, what do you think of Kane? I think he looked back once or twice. No. I mean, everybody has to. No, he doesn't. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He didn't look back. He didn't look behind him. I think you're just jealous because he was a dentist. Jealous what? Of he, of him being a dentist. Sure. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just what I want is put my hands in somebody's dirty mouth. <laughs> no, thank you. I used to think about that when the when the million dollar man would put the hundred dollar bill in there. I'm like, hey, yes, he's stuffing something in your mouth, but at least you get a hundred dollar bill. Well, I mean that's true. That's true. Do they though? Did they? Are we sure they got to keep that hundred dollar bill? Because Ted, if he really playing a villain, would be like, "Oh wait, I need that money back." Oh, that's messed up. So, so the job guy that you know, after DiBiase leaves, he's in the back waiting. Guy comes down. <laughs> hey, give me, give me that hundred dollars. That would be I mean, hilarious. Were they, were they all like jobbers, or were any of them like legit people oh. out the crowd? Because that would make it even funnier. Like, he gave it to somebody and then was like, no, mm-mm. as soon as the camera's cut off, he's like, I'll need that back. It's a prop. Give it back. It's not even real. It's a fake dollar. Whew. Sorry, Vince. I almost <laughs> lost your hundred bucks. Here you go. Yeah. Yeah, it's like my, it's, that's my payday for the show. So, like, I need it back because I don't, I need to get a gab to do the next show. <laughs> I need gas money. I want food. <laughs> Give me that hundred dollars. I mean, like, if he's going to legit heal it up, I, I think that's what he should have done. It would have been funny as if, like, he put it in their mouth, and then as he walked out, Virgil walked behind and took the dollar and put it in his pocket. <laughs> yeah, so if anybody's got, like, uh, you know, any insight there, mm. call Stan. Give him your number, Stan. 1-800-DON'T-CALL-ME. Kind of journalist are you? <laughs> Not enough that wants to get phone calls from random people. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I was Ted DiBiase's private concubine. Uh, he gave us uh, only quarters. <laughs> no, I don't want that story. <laughs> delete, delete. <laughs> Why not? We we can get into the darker, shadier side of the. <laughs> With one Dark random side. number thrown out there, we can get all the horror stories. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> the dark side of Ted DiBiase. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's some crazy stories. Okay. Oh, I'm sure there's crazy stories on all of them. So we've got Kane. We've got The Undertaker. We're, we're coming up. On the close of it, Rob, big finish, sir. Bring us Bring. to a successful conclusion. Who, me? Yeah. 
Well, I got – all right. Your top – your top repackaged superstar. Got a couple more that's, like, great. But I, like, think Kurt Hennings and Mr. Perfect. Yep. I thought it was just – Mr. Perfect was just the perfect gimmick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I had Neville and Pac. Okay. Um, and then Haste, like, what was it? Haystack to Bray? Oh, Husky Harris to Bray Wyatt. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a good one. I like that pick. So, Kurt Hennig, I think, you know, one of the, again, one of those guys that Mr. Perfect damn sure should have been world champion. Um, he was world champion in AWA, but should have been WWF champion. Um, that that goes without saying. He was just that that damn good, to quote Triple H. Um, and honestly, he could have had a pretty cool run in WCW if they'd had a little bit more faith in him. But you had too many people running the show at that point. Husky Harris to Bray Wyatt, that... The creation of Bray Wyatt, even though they still can't do that man any justice, um, still to this day one of the most captivating characters in pro wrestling. Just he he has that whole um, Cape Fear kind of sway to him when he was just of the Wyatt family, and then as he transitions into the Fiend, even though it got a little uh, Hollywood um, towards towards the most recent parts of it. Still, I think that was just the Bray Wyatt character is just tremendous. Uh, yeah, but look what they did to him with the fiend. Yeah, I mean that that's on its on its face, the fiend character was actually really cool. I really liked it, and then they did the whole like what they never should have done. Um, burning him alive literally melting all the rubber in the ring um bringing him back as the burned carcass and then having him come back at wrestlemania in a in a newer gear and then i still feel like that was just a mistake to have him lose to to randy orton so that just that made no sense to me And of course, we subsequently change of uh, Alexa Bliss as his sidekick. Now she is the only person left from that from that gimmick. So she's kind of taken the the reins to that. But like, we can also say that like Bray would also top our list of you know he would be at the top of our, one of our lists of worst used gimmicks. You know, like. Here's oh, yeah. a guy that you could have put the belt on years ago and then ran the world, but then you're like, no! And now you build him up again for what? So it's just, you know, uh, it's a whole nother show. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the, the the missed opportunity after missed opportunity with Bray is, is so sad. It's one of those, it, it's literally a tragedy unto itself. Again, going back to, as Brian called it, the seedier, the darkier, darkier side, the darker side of WWE, the dark, shady side. Um, because they just, they do, again, another guy they just did no justice to. 
Ooh. Uh what? What happened on Raw? No. Oh, you're not watching Raw, are you? No. Did they the make guy the had deal? the robe, right? He said he wanted the jungle robe in in exchange. Well, then he goes, oh, I want the jungle robe plus a pair of boots that Conrad Thompson had plus $25,000. Ooh. Jeez. And then he <laughs> brings I mean. everybody to the table. You got the guy from the warehouse because they decided to give little Nate another robe. They said, hey, we have this robe in the warehouse. We'll give it to you if you give this guy your jungle robe. Then the guy goes, they're all there at the meeting, and they're like, the guy, the, the guy doing the deal was like, he doesn't want to do the deal now. And at the table, you got Ric Flair, Charlotte Flair, the guy who runs the warehouse, and the guy who's the scouter. And it's like, are you kidding me? So goes, what? Huh? What robe is it? What's what's it look like? Or where? It's the black one with the white. No, 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 no. The jungle one is green and has like a lion's mane around it. And it's the one where he unveils the big gold for the first time. I'm trying to remember that one. That but then is... the guy strong arms. He wants he like well he'll do the deal for sixty grand. <laughs> Dang it, Bobby! And everybody's like, like Charlotte just has that look on her face, like kiss my, you know, like. <laughs> and then I'm sure you will Conrad, do that deal. <laughs> God, now see, I would have thought the the eighty three robe would have had something crazy going with it like that. I mean, I know the black and the the butterfly one is the one, the WWE one, right? Is what I equated to because it's what he said. He wore it at Royal Rumble when he first appeared. Yeah, well, he, I think I would say he always wore that one. I mean, that was the one on the WWE cover, the magazine cover. Yeah. Um, but then Conrad just is like, Conrad gets so pissed. He's like, all right, I'll wire him the money. But if he changes the number now, there's nothing. Conrad's going to give up 60 grand. Yeah. Wow. Well, I but guess he's got it like that. Pre- I'm impressed with the producers because as they're interviewing, as interviewing Conrad, what's over his shoulder? But a sign for all in. <laughs> <laughs> so I went ahead and in, in the chat there, guys, I sent a copy or an image of the robe here. Um, and it sure does have a lion at the bottom. I did not know that. That is pretty cool. That's the one little Nate's had. Ah, okay. That's why you see the picture I sent. That little Nate's got that look on his face like, but I want my puppy dog. So when would that one be? Big Gold's debut was late '89. That one over the black, the butterfly. Ooh. Swap for swap. I might have would have done it swap for swap. I like that one better than the black one. But well, the guy I got do like the black one. The guy got the jungle, the jungle robe, and the boots that he wore with the jungle robe. The yellow ones and sixty grand. Hmm. You know, you know, Triple H and them are like the the, the accountant at WWE's. Like, excuse me. 
Huh. I'm maybe, gonna, well, the I, first, maybe it was right about the time those first releases happened. <laughs> uh, something tells me Conrad is going to benefit from this by forking over the money. Oh, I'm sure. So he'll come out ahead because he's probably going to get, you know, Stephanie and them will probably be like, hey, come down to the office. Right, exactly, exactly. Not to mention, well, coming up on Peacock, the Conrad Thompson Show. Well, if you look <laughs> behind him during the whole thing, he has his his whole wall is ring-used belts. Yeah. And he's got the big gold. Remember they had the one version that had the brown leather that had the bent, the top was bent? Mm-hmm. Forever? Yeah. Well, he's got yeah. that one on the shelf behind his head. I mean, it helps that his do- his wife is Ric Flair's daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, something tells me he's going to get something. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to really kiss his ass over this one. He's going to get something that nobody's thought of. You know, that's just been sitting either at Titan Towers or some shit like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. he'll ca- he'll cash in big. He will. Here's Vince's no baby doubt. blue WWE WWF jacket. Right, right. Like from when he was you an know? announcer, or some craziness. All right, so we've come up on on the end of our repackaged episode. I kind of dig the repackaged concept, though. I mean, this was a good idea, Rob, to kind of talk about who's had the most gimmicks, who's who's been great, who's been not so great. Um, and it, of course, glares on the, just kind of repeating what Brian said, the beating of a dead horse of how creative has failed so many so often. <laughs> um. Let's see here. So, uh, episode three of Loki coming up on Wednesday. Uh, we've got uh, just not really much else in the news category here to mention. So, we'll just kind of take it across to social media. Uh, you can catch up with Rob at Rob Hefner C2C and the Facebook show, uh, Facebook for Rob Hefner as well, and then RDHGWP on the Instagram. Brian is at Vlad Dragul C2C on Twitter. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, Brian, it's, is Tepish on Instagram? Mm, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I'll have to look it up. I, I, I don't know. You need to learn. I don't know. My, look it up. I don't look know it up. My social media. <laughs> Horrible branding. <laughs> and then, of course, it is, he lost his password. <laughs> don't do that. Don't don't put that in the atmosphere. And his of course, password is password. <laughs> Password two. <laughs> at Stan Grub for me, just about everywhere, and of course at C Two C Radio Show on Twitter, Corner to Corner Wrestling on Facebook, and C Two C Radio Show dot com for all your Corner to Corner needs. Hey, stick with us. Uh, we will be back with you next week with another hot topic. I don't know what it's going to be yet, but it's my turn to pick. My so, name's Brian. Uh-huh. I well, had it, last is yours. Week. it is yours because unfortunately I won't be with you next week but oh, well, then we already know what it is we already talked about this yep you forgot didn't you I did two shows in a row it's time for me to take a break <laughs> is this his contract <laughs> does Rob get a, an out clause is that what we're doing don't worry I'd much rather be doing the show than what I'm going to be doing so yeah I believe you've got a pretty kind of a busy week 
So, with that, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks for tuning Wait, in. Wait, you're not going to tell them? Tell them what? The topic? Don't leave them in suspense. Yeah. No, no. No, it's going to have to be in suspense. You want to know why? Because you can't remember Because I haven't picked yeah, it yet. Yeah, he can't remember it. <laughs> yeah. We talked about it last week. Well, we or did was talk it the week before. We talked about doing an episode based off of Dark Side of the Ring. And that's the topic. Okay. You already picked it. Um, this week I'll pick out a couple of uh, maybe highlight episodes to pull up and we'll, we'll try to go through it. Um, but anyhow, thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much for sticking with us and we'll catch you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.